0: Welcome to the Catholic Link Podcast, the podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Rob Adams, and today I wanted to start a new schedule for how we're going to do this podcast going forward. So I've listened to a lot, a lot, a lot of religious podcasts, trying to see what what works for them, what I like as a listener. And one of the things I came up with was coming up with a schedule that people can kind of anticipate. just what the content will be like. So I've got four main topics that I want to cover from here on out, and everything else will be, uh, let's say, shoehorned into these four topics, right? So the first one is faith, theology, and doctrine. And these are things about what we believe and why we believe them and the nuances and all the cool little complications that come around belief. The second category is worship and sacraments. So these are things about the mass, about various sacraments, about little rites that the church does and blessings and kind of just liturgical type stuff. The third category is going to be about prayer and spirituality, because as we know, uh, Christianity is not a religion that is just believed. It's a religion that's lived. And one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. And I find that we don't talk about that enough. So we'll be talking about prayers and devotions and spirituality type stuff. And then finally, the fourth category is what I have named wherein I shall share some thoughts. It's a catch-all category of things I just sort of want to talk about. So I want to start today with a topic about faith, faith and dogma and why we believe what we believe and what it all means. And this might come a little bit as a surprise, but it's actually on the ministries of lector and Acolyte. Now some people might be familiar with this if you have a friend or a family member who's ordained a priest or a deacon. Before you receive ordination, you have to receive what are called the Ministries of lector and Acolyte. But what's that about? And really, like, where's it going, and and what are you supposed to take away from it? The main documents that I think you should read if you wanted to have a supplemental reading list are Paul VI, Ministeria Quedum, which is a moto Proprio, and Francis's, Pope Francis's Spiritus Domini. So I want to go through these documents a little bit and help to understand what these ministries, these lay ministries of lector and acolyte, have been in the church, what they are today, and what they mean. So let's get started. First off, the theology around what the ministries are. Paul VI says that certain ministries are established by the church even in the most ancient times for the purpose of suitably giving worship to God and for offering service to the people of God according to their needs. So I want to slow down here and point out something that's a little bit wild. Any ministry, whether it's a lay ministry or an ordained ministry, whether we're talking about the priest or the baptized or the priesthood of the sacrament of holy orders, there's always been this kind of connection in the church. And this connection is... There's a ministry that happens at the altar, so a part of it happens at worship, and a part of it happens outside of worship. And in some way, I'm not making a, like a hardcore claim here, but it's just something to notice. Your thing that you do outside of Mass is supposed to sort of be your justification for what you do at Mass, So let's start real easy. There's a deacon. You know, Pope Francis has said before that deacons are not supposed to just be glorified altar servers. Instead, they're supposed to be taking care of the poor, taking care of the temporal needs of the church, and because of that work, they're able, number one, to wear the Dalmatic, which is a secular symbol of power. It's what the Roman Emperor used to wear. But number two, they're able to serve at the altar because they've served everywhere else. Let's just keep going with the priest. The priest is able to serve at the altar. Why? Well, because he's ordained. Well, obviously because he's ordained. But let's go even further. Let's go even further. Why is the priest able to serve at the altar? It's because the priest performs the function of being an elder, a counselor to the bishop. And Because he's a counselor to the bishop and because he's a trusted advisor, he's able to celebrate the mass. So when we're talking about all these various ministries, we're looking for something at the altar and something outside the altar. Now, Pope Paul VI keeps going and says that these functions were more closely connected with liturgical celebration, and they slowly came to be considered as training and preparation for the reception of the Sacrament of Holy Orders. All the people who grew up with a Latin Mass or all the seminarians and priests out there who remember all this stuff from, from all the coffee conversations used to have, So there used to be what were called seven grades of the priesthood, and there were major orders, and the major orders were the subdeacon, the deacon, and the priest, but there were also four minor orders, and these four minor orders were porter, he looked after the door, the lector, who read the readings and taught people stuff, the exorcist, who performed certain prayers over people being baptized, and the acolyte, who served at the altar. Now, the Pope points out very well that, you know, a lot of these functions, the minor orders, right, Porter, lector, Exorcist, Acolyte, they have historically been exercised by the laity. And so the Pope says that it's fitting to re-examine these practices and kind of adapt them to the church's needs today, right? Now, what do we mean by the church's needs today? I mean, obviously, we need people to open the doors. We need people to do the readings. We need people to serve at the altar. Well, yeah, Right. But there's also kind of a deeper meaning here. And that deeper meaning comes from Vatican II. And in Vatican II, we are told, and I'm going to quote here, the very arrangement of the celebration itself makes the church stand out as being formed in the structure of different orders and ministries. Now, you might hear that as just Vatican II speak, and I understand that, that this is a little bit dense to unpack, but I think we got to think about it a bit like this. Why do we have all of these other people in the sanctuary instead of just the priest? Now I'll say this, and I know I'm wrong. I am 100% wrong. But sometimes as a priest even, you kind of think, like, I don't really need these people. I don't need servers. I don't need lectors. I don't need ushers. I don't, I don't need this stuff because, honestly, they just kind of make it harder. A lot of priests even go so far as to say even a deacon is more difficult than help. But why do we have them? We don't have altar servers and lectors and deacons just because we want to give more people a chance to do something. There's actually a really deep theology here, and that's that everyone in the liturgy performs their function and only their function. And that the liturgy itself, the Mass and the worship of the Church, is actually comprised of all these different functions, all these different roles being plugged together into one through the exercise of the ordained priesthood. So let's unpack that, because I know that's dense too, right? Everybody has their role at Mass. So think about like a football team. Every single guy on a football team has a job. I personally really like offensive linemen because they are the most undervalued people on the team, but they're the ones who make the game happen. What is their job? The offensive line's job is to keep anyone from getting to the ball, getting to the quarterback. Receivers are supposed to run out and be open, right? Your running backs are supposed to be there and be ready to run or guard the quarterback if they need to, and the quarterback is there to coordinate the whole thing, to pass the ball, or if he is a crazy man, to run it right? Everybody has their job on the team. It's not just a quarterback that makes a football team happen. And the same thing is actually true about worship. Yes, we have to have the priesthood or there is no mass, the ordained priesthood, but we also have to have God's people there. And God has arranged this so that everybody has their part to play. And there's something very holy, even for me sometimes, where it's like, I don't, need an altar server. I can just, I can go get the book just fine. But the reality is we need the entire church because it is the entire church that worships, right? And Paul VI even makes this even clearer. He says that the the distinction between clergy and laity, between what is proper and reserved to the clergy and what is proper and can be entrusted to the laity will be brought out more clearly and that mutuality which shows the universal priesthood of believers right so what that means is that everybody everybody has their job to play and yes we have to draw a line between who's clergy and who's laity but that's not supposed to be a mean division it's supposed to be a division to give everybody their proper role and once again everybody has their proper role because what because the church is supposed to offer this worship as a group. Now, where do we go from here? Well, everybody who grew up, and I'm just as guilty of this, uh, I used to call these, these minor orders... Minor orders, Porter, lector, Acolyte, Exorcist. I sort of referred to them as minor orders. Paul VI actually calls us out on that. I'm going to quote him. He says, What up to now were called minor orders are henceforth to be called ministries, and ministries may be assigned to lay Christians. Hence, they are no longer to be considered as reserved to candidates for the sacrament of orders." So we have kind of a breaking open of what used to be only reserved specifically for those men preparing for the priesthood. Now it's opened up to the laity. Now in that document, it's opened up to lay men, but we'll get to that in a second. So what are the the ministries in the church today? We don't have porter anymore, but I think it would be great to have porter. I would love to have a formal ritual to install ushers, and I want to give them a big key and I don't know, like a, like a stick. I think that would be awesome. But that's a side note. The two ministries that are preserved for the entire Latin church are lector and acolyte. Now, that might sound stupid because, oh, we have lectors. Oh, we have acolytes. Why do we need this? Ah, it's a little bit more than that. i want to go into the duties and ideals of both of these so that we can try to understand what the church has in mind. So what are the duties of the lector? The lector is to read the word of God at mass, apart from the gospel, obviously. Uh, They're to present the petitions for the general intercessions. And this one surprised me. Number three says they're to direct the singing and participation of the faithful. So there's some sense of the lector as kind of being the go-between in terms of the word. It's kind of interesting, right? Um, They're also to instruct the faithful for the worthy celebration of the sacraments. And here's their spiritual goal. To be able to do this, they're supposed to meditate assiduously on sacred scripture. So let's apply what we just read there to what I said earlier, that there's an inside worship function and an outside worship function for every ministry, right? So inside worship, we have reading the word of God, presenting the petitions, and directing the singing. What about outside? The church seems to think that a lector is supposed to be, in some sense, The big catechist on the block, the lector instructs the faithful. So just like the word of God gets us ready for communion, we are supposed to have the lector get people ready to receive the sacraments. It's pretty cool. So there's a catechesis involved here. But a lector is also supposed to meditate on the sacred scripture so that they can do this. This isn't something you can do without believing in it and without praying over it right? So let's move on to acolyte. What are the duties and ideals of the acolyte? The acolyte is supposed to assist the priest and the deacon in the service of the altar at liturgical celebrations. They are to distribute Holy Communion when a priest or deacon is not available. So probably a lot of the time in the American church. Number three, this is surprising. In extraordinary circumstances, The instituted acolyte is to expose the blessed sacrament for public adoration, but they are not to bless the faithful with the blessed sacrament. They are to instruct altar servers and sacristans. And finally, their goal is to participate in Mass with fervent devotion, receive nourishment from it, and deepen their knowledge about it. So let's once again apply our schema here. We have our inside functions of assisting the priest and the deacon at the altar, They are to distribute communion, and in some places, they are to put the blessed sacrament out for adoration. So we have our inside worship dimension. What about outside? Well, outside, they're supposed to be instructing the altar servers, instructing the sacristans. Uh, Maybe in an American parish, we would say, you know, being on the liturgy committee, right? So they're supposed to have this this catechetical function again, and this—I would say the the acolyte's more of a practical function— making sure everyone knows how to take care of the sacred vessels, how to purify them, how to wash them, how to wash the cloths, how to serve at mass, right? But there's also a real spiritual dimension that the mass is supposed to be the source of their nourishment. And as the source of their nourishment, they're supposed to want more and they want to desire more from it. Pretty cool. Now, That's basically what Paul VI had to say. And that's how things were from 1974 onwards until 2021, where Pope Francis wrote his own motu proprio, Spiritus Domini. Now there's a couple things Francis did. It's a very short document, and Francis is basing most of his thought on Paul VI. But there are a few things that I think are pretty cool. So I'm gonna quote Francis here. He says, assemblies of the synod of bishops have highlighted the need to deepen this subject doctrinally so that it may respond to the nature of the aforementioned charisms and the needs of the times, offering appropriate support to the role of evangelization that is incumbent upon the ecclesial community. So let's focus on what Francis is saying here. First off, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with these instituted ministries from Paul VI, but listening to the bishops, to the synod of bishops, and the fruit of synodality is kind of bearing some fruit here that we need to look at this again. And if you actually read Paul VI, he doesn't present this document as a kind of be-all end-all of of lay ministries. He actually kind of leaves a door open. And so Francis is saying, the bishops have asked, and this is a good thing that we can do. And why do we do it? We do it to respond to both the gifts that we see in the church, but also to the needs of the church in our time. Now, what are we actually talking about here? What's the meat and potatoes of this? I'm going to quote it again. A doctrinal development has taken place in recent years, which has highlighted how certain ministries instituted by the church are based on the common condition of being baptized and the royal priesthood received in baptism. They are essentially distinct from the ordained ministry received in the sacrament of orders. All right, so let's go through this. I've got a few things, and then we'll finish this up. So first off, we're talking about a development of doctrine. So in other words, this is a flowering of ministeria quaedam and Vatican II. Um, yes, it is kind of a new thing, but it's not something that wasn't here in seed form. Right? This isn't coming out of nowhere. Um, the the bishops talked about trying to extend these ministries to more and more lay people over time, right? So Francis is going to do that, and we'll get to exactly what he's doing very soon. Second thing to point out is Francis talks about these ministries as instituted by the Church. I want to kind of contrast this with what a sacrament is, because a sacrament is something instituted by who? By Christ, and so since these ministries are created by the Church. There's something that the church has control over. We're not quite as bound by divine law because God didn't necessarily come up with this ministry. We did. And so we have some flexibility in who can receive it and how it's received and what it does and all that stuff. This is the real thrust of the document right here. It's based on baptism. So any baptized catholic male or female now may receive and exercise these ministries so this is why we can have laymen or lay women in these ministries of lector and acolyte now some people are going to say oh well you know this is just the first step to women's ordination well, not necessarily not necessarily and the reason is because francis himself even says this these ministries are essentially distinct from the ecclesial ministry received from the ordained ministry received in the sacrament of orders. So these are lay roles and they've always been lay roles. And since they're lay roles, the argument that Francis is making is any one of the laity can exercise them. And so I think that this is really a good chance for us to reflect on what it is to go to mass. You know, the old Baltimore catechism didn't talk about going to mass. It talked about assisting at mass. And everybody, regardless of whether you're ordained or not, has their own role in assisting at the sacrifice. What the church has done since Vatican II, through Paul VI, and now our current Holy Father, Pope Francis, is trying to show how these different grades of ministry and worship can help the church present the fullness of the body of Christ whenever she gathers for worship. This has been the Catholic Link Podcast, the podcast for busy Catholics. My name is Father Rob Adams. Thank you so much for listening. I invite everybody to go on over to CatholicLink.org, and you can look at all of our old podcast material, lots of great articles and social media posts, all all the good stuff's over there. So go check that stuff all out at CatholicLink.org. Thank you so much, and God bless you.